I have a handout if you're a note taker. I don't know if you saw, grab one of those. Um, so I got a call on Thursday uh, from somebody I barely recognized. I was sounding really hoarse and sounded really down, and it was Lance, Pastor Lance. And he, he told me that he might not be able to preach today. And so I said, sure, I'll be ready to preach both Sunday morning and Sunday evening if you need it. And uh, he was able to preach this morning. But generally, if you're a pastor, what you do is you look at some old sermons and you dust one off because usually I have a lot of things going on, so I didn't have time to devote my usual, you know, 15 hours to prepare a sermon. So pulled out one of my favorites. Uh, I, I have a, a drum beat I like to, uh, you know, keep playing in the church. It just it's the, it's, We have to get to the Word. We have to be people of the Word. And uh, so I, I pulled out one of my favorite pass- or sermons on one of my favorite passages in Psalm 19, and that's where we'll be uh, in today. Um, so if you open your Bibles to Psalm 19, and we'll be in verses 7 through 14, and why don't you stand so we can, uh, I'll read it, and we enjoy the reading of God's Word. So again, Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this portion of scripture, just so rich in truth about the wonder, the power of your word, of your self-revelation, and Lord, what it does in us. And God, I pray that as we walk through this passage, Lord, that as we, we, we would see the amazing power of your word. And Lord, and that it would increase a desire in us to want to be in it more so that you can be using it to transform our minds, to, to point out the sins, and Lord, to renew our minds and, and to show us the, the ways of righteousness. And Lord, uh, I pray that because of this, we would uh, just grow, that you would in, just further that work that you're doing in us to, to transform our hearts, to bring us to maturity, to bring us into greater uh, likeness to your Son. So, Lord, I thank you for tonight, and I thank you for your word, and, and Lord, may we uh, just love you more because of what we see in here. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, when I first moved to this area some years ago, I was introduced to something called mountain biking. Any of you mountain bike? Yeah, there we go, Kyle back. Yeah, I love mountain biking. I'm not good at it, but I have fun doing it. And I had a friend who uh, took me the very first time, took me down to a place called Sycamore Canyon. I live in Newbury Park. And we went on some trails, and we were back there for several hours, just having a great time. 
And so um, the, I went a few days later. I was really excited, and I went on my own and immediately got lost. I didn't have my friend with me. And I wanted to go up this particular hill that he took me called Guadalasco. And so as I was going back there, I, I took a turn that I thought was the right turn, and immediately it was straight up, and it was gravel. It was not Guadalasco. Turns out later it was called Hell Hill. <laughs> so it, it, what that taught me right away is that uh, I needed a guide, right? I needed a guide. And so that, that's kind of a, just an in, introduction of, to what we're talking about tonight. But I want to, that's just a silly kind of illustration. But uh, how many of you actually grew up with uh, a mother and father in the home? No, you came from, okay, good. Well, more and more, that's not our culture. Our culture increasingly are, you know, people growing up in single parent homes. And I was one of them. So come 1997, I've been married five years, and all of a sudden, uh, I get a call. I'm teaching at Mayfair High School, and I get a call. Hey, Chris, uh, you better run to the hospital. Your, your wife's in labor. And later on that day, I, me and uh, Renee had a little bundle of joy named Taylor. And we brought her home the next day, and, uh, and we were looking at her and looking at each other and say, uh, what do we do now? I didn't have a dad growing up. And so... I, I was just looking at this, and then even into marriage, I came from a divorced home, and it was really just a dysfunctional family. And so this whole marriage thing and then parenting, I, a lot of it was like, uh, how do I do this? And I, like I said, there's more and more people who are, who are coming from backgrounds like I've had. And when you start looking for help, you walk into a bookstore, what do you see? What do you see when you walk into a bookstore looking for help? Books from everywhere, self-help books. And, and when you're looking, there's, there's a billion voices. If you go on the internet, you Google parenting or whatever, you, oh my goodness. Where do we, who, do we, who do we actually trust? Because that's what you're looking. Where do I find help? Where can I find this guidance? And I am so thankful that we have the word of God. The greatest thing that helped me and Renee, because we also, we come from non-Christian backgrounds for the most part, is that we, we needed help, and we found it in God's Word and with God's people. And uh, that's, that's been such a blessing, and, and that's why I, I, I will always, 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 you know, when people come to me for advice or counsel, I will try as hard as I can to get to the Word of God. Because if they're asking my opinion, what's my opinion? Not much, right? You're, you're hoping that I have some wisdom there. But when we go to God's Word, what do we have? The, the wisdom from the God's word, right? The truth from God himself. And, uh, and by the way, you guys, we've always needed God's help, right? In the garden, how did Adam and Eve know what they needed to do and who they were and where they were going? How'd they know? They didn't. And that's why we see that they had been spending time listening to God. And the problem was, is when they started listening to another counselor. We see that in Genesis 3, Right? Genesis 3, we have Eve listening to this other voice, and he starts questioning and undermining the counsel from God that she'd received. Oh, did God really say, right? So we've always needed counsel, but when when the fall happened in Genesis 3, our need for counsel increased 10, 100, a billionfold, because now we have this problem in our thinking called what? Sin. Right? Now we have to deal with minds that, are, that, are, that have a sin nature. 
And we have the darkness of, of the world of, of, of Satan. We've got the world fighting against, you know, against us and God's counsel. And so what I love about the word and what we're going to see in this passage today is that we have stated so wonderfully that God's word is all we need and it is what we need and it is powerful and it's mighty and it, it shows us the way to live. So in this, we're going to be looking at this wonderful psalm where David, he's overflowing in praise for God's word. And and we see in his word, it reveals his glory. And in it, we find salvation and guidance and help, indeed reward. So let's look, and we're going to walk through this passage here, verse by verse, word by word, to see the wonders of the scriptures, of the word of God, where we can find hope and help for our lives. So first of all, in verses 7 through 9, we see the Word of God portrayed. In it, you'll see in, in the three verses, you'll see six synonyms of God's Word, and that's to help us see the multifaceted wonder of God's Word. It's no mere book of platitudes or an instruction manual. That's not its point. It's more than that. So we have six synonyms, but then we also have six descriptions And these descriptions are to help us think differently about its value. And then we'll also have six results, right, to help us see the amazing consequences of spending time in God's life-giving, life-changing word. That's just the first three verses, all right? You ready for that? So that's how it's arranged. That's how David arranged it. So first of all, we see the law of the Lord, okay, the law of the Lord, that's the first synonym. It's called the law. The law of the Lord is perfect. That's the first description. It's perfect. Reviving the soul. That's the first consequence of God's word. All right? So that goes all the way through verses 7 through 9. That synonym, description, and consequence are fruit. So the first one, the law. This, this word, this means it's something that should or must be done. God's authoritative word on how to live. The designer of life lays out his path so as to enjoy God's ways. God does not try to hide from us what he, how, how we should live life, but it's, but it's presented as God's law. And these aren't options or suggestions. And what do we know about the law of the Lord? It's perfect, and that word means complete or whole. It's everything he wanted to say about man's life and conduct. He's not trying to make us guess at things. He's given us what we need to know. And it's everything we need for, for, for the wholeness of man in relationship to God. It's for mankind's good. So, time, so many times people talk about the Bible as, oh, it's a, it's a book of, of do's and don'ts, right? They make it sound like it's, it's a, oh, it's just such a pain to read. Oh, I don't want to read it. Man, this is, a, this is God's perfect law for us to know how to relate to him. The God of the universe wants to be in relationship with us. 2 Peter 1, 3-4 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. That's in God's Word. By which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God's law, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's everything we need. It's complete. 
And what does it do? What's the consequence of it? It revives the soul. The soul is the inner man. And restoring, reviving, it means to bring back, converting, totally transforming. transforming. It imparts newness to the soul. The scriptures tell us how to be saved, right? I mean, we see that in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. You, Paul talking to Timothy, however, continue in the things you have learned and have become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, for he learned from his mom and his grandma, says that in the, earlier in the book, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The word of God, the law of the Lord, gives us everything we need for salvation and for living. God's word is complete. It's sufficient to transform the inner man. It saves the sinner and revives the saint. Amen? Do you want that in your life? Right? That's what it does. We got to get into it. So that's the first, that's 7A. So 7B, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What is testimony? It's God's witness about himself. It's his self-revelation. We don't know God in all of his character and all of his attributes and all of his works unless he tells us. Creation declares his glory. It reveals he's powerful and mighty, but it does not save us. We needed God to reveal himself to us so we can be in right relationship with him. His testimony, God's self-disclosure about himself, who he is, and what he's like. It says the testimony of the Lord is sure. That means firm. That word means bedrock. It's fully reliable. It's a trustworthy account from God about who he is. But here's the consequence of it. Makes wise the simple. All right, so the simple... Is, that, is a picture of somebody who's morally naive, like a, like a, a child or a, a young teen. And they're easily swayed and easily led astray. But here it says that the word makes wise the simple. It is the sure word about God, from God, to make even the most undiscerning and naive person wise. Matter of fact, in Psalm 119, we, we could go to 119 the whole time as... as you know, cross-reference for all this, but in Psalm 119, verses 97 through 100, listen to this. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding, more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. God's word is sure, and it makes wise the simple. Anyone want to grow in wisdom? We find it in God's word. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Precepts, these are the doctrines. We heard that this morning, right? We need doctrine. We need God's word for doctrine. These are the principles given by the king to be obeyed. Again, there's no vote in this, right? We're not in America here. When we're looking at the Bible, we're looking at a king, And he tells us what, and we see his precepts. And they're right, and that word doesn't mean just right versus wrong, but it also means right direction. It's a straight path. It is not only the light to the path, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's Psalm 119, 105. But it also here is talking about it is the path itself. It doesn't just reveal the path, it is the path. 
Again, when I was, you know, riding around on that mountain bike, I needed a guide. And without it, I got lost. Next time I went, I had my guide with me. Now when I go, I know where to go. God's word is the right path for all of life. And it rejoices the heart. That's the consequence. In that word rejoicing, it means to feel glad, to have great delight. Here's the deal. When you follow God's word, do you ever feel guilty? Do any of you? You feel guilty and, uh uh-oh, I hope they don't catch me. Any of you? No. When I'm walking in God's word, there's a freedom that comes from it. There's no looking over your back and wondering what's going to show up in your life and who's going to accuse you of something because you've been walking in God's ways. There's freedom in obedience, in knowing God's word and walking in it because it is the straight path. Rejoices the heart. The word of God brings joy. Do you want joy in your life? Any of you? Right? It, this is a smaller group. I'm asking you questions. I know you're not used to that, but this is a smaller group. Do you want joy in your life? Yeah. Amen, right? Let's, get, let's know the word. The precepts, they're right. They rejoice the heart. Verse 8b, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Commandment. Okay, this word means an authoritative directive, either written or verbal, given as instruction or prescription to a subordinate. It also can be, refer to legal conditions. These are, this means that these are the mandates from the sovereign king of the universe, So that's the synonym, the commandment of the Lord. And the description is that they're pure or clear. That the word means to be transparent, clearly or brightly seen. It's not blurry, but it's clear. His word is radiant. It's bright. It's clear. And and it says it enlightens. This is the concept. It enlightens the eyes. And the the picture here is that, uh, how many of you have driven in, in Thule fog? Do you know what that is? Lived in the Bay Area. And I had to go speak at a, at a youth meeting early in the morning. It was out in the Delta. It was called, I lived in Pittsburgh, and it was out further in the Delta. And driving was terrible. I mean, there was a fog I could not see from here to this piano. So I was driving, and I had to have my door open, and I had to follow the dashed lines on the road to get where I was going. That's a great picture of what the word says here. It's so radiant, you see clearly. When you are walking without God's word in this life, okay, even as a Christian, if you are not walking in God's word, guess what happens? Life gets dark. It gets foggy because sin confuses. Sin darkens. We need God's word, the radiance of God's word to show us the way. So much in biblical counseling, what we're trying to do is helping people see their problems from God's perspective, to get into God's word, to help them find God's solutions. We have to help them learn new labels. Instead of what the world will call some syndrome, we start looking for what does God say about their actions so we can help them find direction in God's word. Because what what happens is so many times all these confusing labels and descriptions of the world, we start finding out, wait, God does talk about it because it's this, this, and this. And and when they start obeying, guess what happens to all the other problems? A lot of times, when they start obeying in these areas, the other things start falling into place because God's Word has revealed where they're sinning and how they should live. And as they start walking on it, oh my goodness, they find what? Freedom. And they find that God's ways are best. And God's ways simplify life in many ways and clarify. That's what God's Word does. It helps you see clearly. 
God's word brings clarity and hope. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Fear, that word means respect or reverence, even terror, astonishment. And what does uh, Proverbs tell us? That uh, the fear of God is what? It's the starting place for true wisdom. If you don't start with the fear of God and who he is and how mighty, well, you haven't found the right direction. Once you have God in his place as king, it's the starting place to see the rest of life because you've started with the designer of life, the king, and now you say, oh, this is what you say about how we're supposed to live. That's the beginning of true wisdom, and we find it in God's word. The fear of the Lord, reverence for God, is clean, This word means pure, without flaws or errors or impurities. It's like talking about clean water. It's also like talking about the purity of gold or silver that's been refined seven times. When they refined the precious metals, why do they keep heating it up? Yeah, the the flaws come to the surface, and then what do they do to the flaws, the, the impurities? Scrape it off. And then what you do, you heat it up again, get more to come up. And then after a while, they know it's pure after they look at it. And what, what, how do they know when it's ready? When you can see your reflection clearly. Isn't that cool? It's a great picture here. The fear of the Lord is clean. It's pure. Psalm 12, 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. This word, the inerrant word, is without mistakes. It's inerrant, if you've ever heard that word. And what does it say? It endures forever. So God's word, when it was written, we're looking at Psalm 19. When was that written? Who's the writer? David, okay, so when did David live? About 1,000 B.C. Was it relevant then? Absolutely. Well, we speak a different language. We live on a different continent. Is it still relevant? That's what this says. It endures forever. God's word endures. It's relevant. It's for all people, for all times, for all situations. God's word does not need help or updates, nor editing. It is both free from error... And it is true wisdom for all people of all times. It is sufficient. It's both inerrant and sufficient. That's why, again, in biblical counseling, any kind of discipleship. I was just talking to a a young man who I've seen grown up, and now he's in college, and he's helping with a local youth group. He and another man, a young man I've seen grown up with my son, Jake, he was talking to me on Friday night in our, in our kitchen. He's saying, oh, yeah, I'm helping at the youth group, and yeah, we're trying to figure out what to do. We're me and so-and-so are running the small group uh, of guys. And I said, you guys, here's my best advice for you. Be biblical. Be biblical. Don't try to be the coolest guy. Don't try to talk about so-and-so said this and so-and-so. That's great to talk about, but get into the Bible. That's the only thing that has a guarantee that will change lives. Because that's what you want to do, right? You want to change lives. And he said, yes. He said, be biblical. Try your best. Just get into the word with them. Get into the word. Start with what you know and grow with them. Be biblical. Because the word of the Lord endures forever. It's relevant to to a a 15-year-old that you're working with even though you're 19. Right? That's how I started. Working with 12-year-olds when I was 19. And how did I do it? I started leading a small group, and it didn't know what to do, so we just stuck to the Bible. And it was amazing to see how lives changed. I didn't know very much. I was a new Christian. 
But God's word, as we got into it together, helped them see clearly. And I saw right in front of my eyes. And I knew it wasn't me. I was a new Christian. You ever seen, ever seen those kind of results ever? Any of you? No? Yes? It's amazing what God can do. God's word is completely reliable and relevant. That's verse 9a. Let's get to the last part of 9b here. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The rules, again, these are, that's a legal term, a legal picture here. The just dis- decrees, the legal decisions, it's a courtroom picture. It's the, it's the decisions from the judge of all the earth are true. That means they're permanent, they're secure, they're dependable. They're not based on man's changing or corruptible ideas or opinions or verdicts or polls, whether whoever takes them. It is lasting truth. It's God's verdict on everything. It is the truth which endures and verifies itself. God's word, the rules of the Lord, are true. He's not a a, a vindictive judge who can be bought. He's not biased by which party you're in, how old you are, where you live, how much money you have. He is the righteous judge, and his decisions are always true. And it says that they're righteous altogether. Righteous means to be innocent. It's to be pure. It's to be right. His decisions are always right. But it's more than that here. His word is righteous, but it has a consequence in us. It produces righteousness. Okay, when we become saved, are we immediately righteous? Yes, because if we're in Christ, we're clothed with his righteousness. But practically... In our day-to-day living, are we righteous? Not so much. And that's the whole process of what sanctification is all about, changing and growing over time. But the Word is that which produces that righteousness in us. Isn't that amazing? The Word is the truth, and there is no other, and it produces the righteousness in us that we so desperately need. The Word is the only way to both knowing true truth and finding His righteousness. So that's just from the first three verses, verses seven through nine. These six descriptions, six or six synonyms, then six descriptions, and then six consequences. The word of God portrayed. Now let's look at verses ten and eleven. We're going to find out something else about the word. We find out that the word of God pleases. It's pleasurable. Because if you pursue it, then you will find it to be truly satisfying and life bringing. So first of all, it's a satisfying treasure. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Again, fine gold, this purest gold, it's the most valuable and beautiful treasure. Mankind has always liked gold. But the problem is, is you can never get enough, right? But that's what he's saying here is God's word is more to be desired than even the most precious of metals on earth because God's word truly satisfies. The word is more valuable Because with it you have enduring, eternal treasure, and it satisfies the soul. It's the satisfying to the taste. Because here he says it's sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. He's appealing to our other senses. The sweetest food. I love honey. I'm weird. I love peanut butter and honey. Any of you like that? Oh, I love peanut butter and honey. Especially this kind of honey. It's whipped honey. Oh, so good. 
But again, I can never get enough. <laughs> That's a problem. But here he's appealing to our senses to help us realize the word of God is better than that. It's to, to drive into us that, that, inner, that, that appealing even to our appetites because the word is sweeter and with it you have the enduring and eternal satisfaction that will satisfy those wants. It's life-saving. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. It's pleasing because of what it, what it saves you from. Right? This, this word where it says warned, it means bright. It's like bright shining lights to expose the hidden things. How many of you have walked in your living room in the middle of night and you found out where all the furniture was with your feet? I mean, I've broken a toe doing that, Right? You're walking around in the dark, but here it says, moreover, by them is your servant warned. The, the, the word is like a light to show where the, where the objects are. Because without the word, life is hard, is it not? The way of the transgressor is hard, it says so, all over Proverbs. So it's life-saving, but it's also life-blessing. In keeping them, there is great reward It's pleasing because of the fruit that the word produces in us. I am so glad that I'm not Chris Brunzeel of 18, 19 years old. I was a terribly lost sinner, egotistical and terrible in so many ways. And yet when God grabbed a hold of me, immediately I started seeing just in my little steps of obedience, God would reward me. And it's just so exciting to see as I learned his word and it, helped us, it started to help me see clearly. It's like, oh, no wonder that's going wrong in my life. God's word brings great reward. And then as I've gotten older and gotten into ministry and, and help people, you know, just in a Bible study with, with junior hires and then later with high schoolers and different ages, just to see people find hope again and to find life. That's why I do what I do. If I didn't get to be a part of people's lives to see change, I wouldn't be in ministry. I love doing this. I love it. I get a, a Christmas card from a couple I'd met with years ago. And, and had, we, they were, he had had an affair. And so we just started meeting with him. We almost went through church discipline with him, but then he just broke and he surrendered. And then we started meeting with the couple. And after a couple months... They, you know, they were on the right track, and here they are years later. They're, they're discipling people now who are struggling in their marriage. He's, a, he's in law enforcement. Just amazing to see, and it wasn't because of me. Oh, my goodness, it was not because of me. It was so fun, though, to see people as we help them understand and then learn what to put off and we'll learn what to put on and help them think through things and getting into God's Word together to see the changes and to see the joy. Because, man, when, they, when this first was uncovered, there was not a lot of joy. There was a lot of hurt. And to see the, the hope come again. And then to see just how, how, how he, again, I, I had many conversations to see him say, hey, I did this and, and it happened. We were giving him some ideas of what to do to bless his wife and, and just to see the joy brought back into their marriage. Even though of the tragedy, the, the desperate sin he had done. And yet to see joy return to their marriage. Amazing. There is great reward in walking in God's ways. So the word of God, it pleases, but it goes on. We see in verses 12 through 14 that the word of, the word of life, the word of God purifies. 
we see here the power of the word to purify us from the taint of sin over time as we grow in obedience. This pursuit of knowing and living in the word also pleases our great God. Do you know you can please God? Can he, will he love you more? No, he loves you. He loves you. But can we bring pleasure to him? Yeah. So we see that in verse, uh, verse 12. Well, 12 through 13, we see that he purifies and frees us from enslaving sin. Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Well, we find out that God's word brings discernment. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, talking about the word of God, since he's a child. But solid food, and that means getting into the word, going on from just the basic ideas of what is salvation, but now getting into the word of wisdom about life. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It's saying here that God's word, if you start reading God's word and obeying what you know, you know what you get more of? Discernment. People all the time, you know, I want to, you know, I want to be somebody who can, you know, be more discerning about right and wrong and, and be more wise. And, and I tell them it's a really simple formula according to Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. What you read in God's word, obey. Start there. And, and if you read some more of God's word, what do you do then? Obey some more. And what happens is you grow and discern. That's what it says in Hebrews 5. And it's, and it's growing discernment of both what's right and wrong, both in outward evils. We've been talking about this in the class, Faith Builders. We've been talking about Jude and, and his letters about, hey, watch out for the false teachers in the church. But here we're also seeing that the Word of God points out evils in our own heart, those sins that are lurking there that we want to hold on to. Well, God's Word exposes it. So what you learn, obey, and God will help you grow in discernment. Verse, the second part of verse 12 says, declare me innocent from hidden, hidden faults. We see that God's word progressively opens our eyes to our sins, those hidden faults. When I first became a Christian, I did not know all that I was doing that was sinful. Thank God <laughs> that he was merciful and did not reveal everything because I was very, very good at sin. Any of you really good at sin? Right? Even as a Christian, we struggle, Right? But as a non-Christian, boy, I was really, really, really good at sin. But as a Christian, we, we have those areas. God starts revealing slowly but surely even those hidden faults, those sins that we hold on to that we, you know, kind of hold. It's no big deal. Well, the Word of God, as we get into it, starts opening our eyes, right? Slowly but surely. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. You all know the first part. For the Word of God is living. It's not dead. It's not in the past. It's living. It's living and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit. It's like a scalpel, okay? And to the soul, a division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow. It gets down to the very finest parts of us and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is a spiritual scalpel. And it starts getting into the innermost parts. 
And, and what it does is it opens our eyes as we get into it more and more, like, oh, man, I got to give this over to you, Lord. And that's the struggle, isn't it? But God's word opens our eyes slowly to help us see and to see clearly and to give over to God. In verse 13 in Hebrews 4 says this, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. (laughs) How many of you have secret sins you don't want anyone to know about? Put your hands up. Do you want everyone to know all the sins you're doing right now? None of us do, right? But that's why we need to get into God's word so his word can convict us and do spiritual surgery. And what he does is he starts helping expose it. And then it starts opening our eyes to it. And he starts transforming our hearts. He starts renewing our minds. And then he starts using it to conform us to whose image? To the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the only way that happens... This work of sanctification, that's that word means changing and growing to be more holy in practical terms. That only happens when we cooperate by the Spirit and get into the Word because that's His scalpel. All right? We need His Word. Verse 13 Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. This word dominion means it's total rule. It's a picture of being totally enslaved. So God's word helps us find freedom from sins that enslave us. Another word for that is addictions. Ever heard of addictions? Everyone says, oh, they don't talk about addictions in the Bible. Yes, they do. Romans 6 and 7 are all about addictions. It's called enslaving sins, life-dominating sins. Here it says... God's word can help us find that freedom over these sins that enslave. God's word warns us of the destruction and misery that come with sin. It reveals the the lies and the empty deceitfulness of sin. Here's the deal. Ephesians 4.22 tells us that sin is deceitful because it promises something it can't deliver. Right? Oh, do this. It'll feel good. That's the thing you need. And what do you find after you sin? Is it ever satisfying? No, you, you, you're never satisfied. You need more, right? You can't get no what? Satisfaction. He was actually, I'm not a fan of him at all, but when Mick Jagger said that you can't get no satisfaction, that's actually a very true phrase. You can't. You can never get it in this world in anything besides the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? The word is that which brings us satisfaction. But here's the deal. It exposes that sin will never satisfy. Listen to Ephesians 4.22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through, listen to this, deceitful desires. Deceitful desires. It promises something it can never deliver. It's trying to trick you and deceive you into, oh, this is the right way. No, it's not. So God's word exposes the destruction and misery that's found in sin. But it also, it also warns us in a way by showing us the right way and promising the help and power to change. It says, keep back your servant. This is a plea in verse 13. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Don't let them overpower me. That means God's word will give you the power to overcome them. Isaiah 55.10 For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth 
making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and the bread to the eater, so is the word of God. God, when he sends out his word, it will never return to him void of the purposes for which he sent it out. When God's purposes is to, to, for his word to change us, it's going to. It's going to. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God, and what is it useful for? Teaching, the word doctrine. Here's God's path. For reproof, hey, you're off God's path. For correction, hey, here's how you get back on God's path. For training in righteousness, here's how you stay on God's path. That's what God's word does. And, and I've dealt with so many people with addictions. Oh, I just don't know. I'll try this, I'll try this, hold this, you know, Bible thing. As we start getting God's word and helping them learn how to see things differently and how to see things from God's perspective and helping them replace old sinful habits and to start restructuring their life in God's ways, to start getting into the word to help them see, to expose the darkness that's been in their lives and then to see God's ways. And then God, with his enabling power, helps them to start obeying and we start restructuring godly habits and godly lifestyle to see the freedom that comes. It's amazing. It's amazing. God's ways work. Now, I'm not saying this be, that you should do this because pragmatically, oh, it works, so you should do it. It works because it's, for, it's based on the God of the universe who's given us his ways. We should obey because of who he is, but I'm telling you, his ways work. His ways work. Verse 13, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. God's word sanctifies us. Shall be, I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. God's word changes us. It helps us to change and grow as it renews our mind, as we're being transformed, as the, Holy, as the word richly dwells in us. What did Jesus say about sanctification, changing and growing? He said, he prayed to God, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You want to be sanctified? Get into the word of truth. I talk to guys all the time and said, you know, you guys keep asking me, hey, I want, to, I want to become more like Jesus. The first question I ask them, how much do you read God's word? Now, again, I'm not saying someone just because they read it automatically becomes, you know, holy. We have to obey. But if you're not even getting into the word, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. God's word sanctifies us. And then finally, we see that it, it pleases God and it, as it changes us. Verse 14, let the words, here's David's plea, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Be acceptable, that, that is, a, is a term that's often associated with God's acceptance of, of sacrifices, David requests the mercy and grace of God in being acceptable to God. In his inner man, the meditations of his heart. And in his outer man, the words that come from his, his heart, the words that come out of his mouth. And, and, and in his plea, what is the answer to his plea? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Well, it's actually, he's already answered it for us. Verses 7 through 13. Get in the word and obey the word. Delight in the word. Relish the word. Devour the word. Walk in God's ways. We see in Joshua 
This book of the law, Moses talking to Joshua as he passes the mantle to him. This book of the law, God's word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. And I always end my sermons with a, so what? What, what is all this? I just described all these things of God's word. Well, there's, here's a few things. Pursue pure joy. Right? It says it rejoices the heart. God's word rejoices the heart. Do you want to find peace and rest and contentment? Get into God's word. Walk in his ways. It's simple. It's not easy to do, but it's a simple path to understand. We just have to be disciplined to do it. And when you're reading, seek to know the God of the Bible, not just the data of the Bible. You know the difference? Right? If you're just re- learning it, oh, I want to learn this. You know, what are the principles? Well, there's a lot of non-Christians who read the Bible, but they're not walking in, in righteousness, in the, in the law of life. This is to, the goal is to know God and who he is. And we have to be in it all the time. We eat every day because we want to live, right? Some of us can take you know, a little break now and then. But to grow in godliness, to give the spirit his, the meat, you know, so that he can change us, the scalpel to get into us, we have to be in it all, every day. And the final thing is be a doer, obey it, right? James makes a big deal about that. He says, uh, you know, you can tell me your, your, your faith by your words, but I'll do it by my works. We have to obey Real faith produces real fruit, and that's an obedience. Over time, better and better, consistently over a lifetime. So if you want pure joy, pursue it. He tells us where it is. It's in his word. Amen? Amen.